think from a from a fishing industry perspective, I, I tell people a lot that there are not a lot. We're a small industry, and there are not a lot of good jobs in the fishing industry, um, just because of the size of the industry. So therefore, if you want to break into the industry, you you know you've just you've got to be the best. <laughs> you have to be, and that's with any company in this in this industry, because so many people want to work in this industry. So if you're not figuring out ways to set yourself apart from all those people um, through greatness, then you're probably not going to get that crack at working in the fishing industry like you may want to. And that's at any level. I mean, yeah. you can say that about whether it's you're a tournament professional or whether you're a marketing professional or whether you work for a company like I do is that I know there are on any given day, there's a hundred people that would like to take my job. Yeah, <laughs> so, that's right. you know, so, or at least they think they do. <laughs> so, yeah. um, you know, that's, I think you just have to look at it that way and say, look for any chance you can get to get in this industry, which is something that I did. And then once you get it, don't let it go. Hey there, you have found the Fishing Business Podcast. I'm glad you're here. I'm Angie Thompson. I'm your host for today, and I'm going to jump right into it by introducing you to the president of Shimano Fishing, Shimano Fishing North America, Dave Pfeiffer. I've known Dave for decades. Uh, I used to work for the production company that produced Jose Wahebi's Spanish Fly. And Jose and Dave were early collaborators um, in the Shimano brand. Shimano sponsored uh, the Spanish Fly since its inception, and they were very important to each other. Jose uh, passed away uh, several years ago in a terrible accident, and we all miss him horribly. I'm sure Dave and I will talk about that a little bit today, but uh, there's a lot of good things to learn from Dave. He heads up one of the finest fishing brands out there. So without further ado, let's jump right to it with the Fishing Business Podcast. Here we go, y'all. Dave, you, you and I have known each other for a long time. I think since the early 90s, where you we started doing... The Spanish Fly with Jose Wahabi in, I think it was 95. Were y'all with Jose when we started on ESPN2? Yes, we were. I've been with Shimano since 1988. Oh. And we, we were with Jose, working with him. He was a field tester for us at that time. Yeah. What a special guy he was. I, I mean, I, you know, I know uh, you were very, very close to him as, as was I. And I miss him every day, man. I wish he was still around with us. I miss him. So much every day. The thoughts uh, always make me smile. Yeah, me too. Me too. So what did you do before Shimano? Or was that your first thing? I mean, you can't be, you probably started when you were about 10 or 11. <laughs> uh, it seems that way. I actually, I had a job in downtown Los Angeles working for, in sales for a paper company. And it was a really good job, a really good company, but it was really boring. And so while I was working there, I was interviewing and trying to get the job uh, with Shimano. And I forgot how many months it was now. Several months after I got the paper company job and was working there, I got the chance to interview with Shimano and then started after that. So Shimano must have been in its infancy in North America at that time, was it, or was it not? No, we've been in the U.S. since 1965. That's when we established actually in New York City. Um, and then we moved to New Jersey and then we moved to Orange County in California. So, you know, we'd been around for, uh, for you know, over, well, 20 years, close, a little over 20, 23 years. Yeah, I can do yeah. the math. 
So, and, but you're actually also an avid fisherman. How did you become involved in fishing? How did you get started fishing? You know, I actually still remember days with my dad when I was three years old and it's a, it's a common story in the fishing world, but my my dad started me fishing when I was young and um, it did not take long for it to, to resonate with me and for me to probably be even crazier about fishing than my dad was as it went on, even though he loved it. Oh, that's super cool. It's so, it's so awesome to get to work in an industry where you're doing something that you really love to do. And the perks of that is that sometimes you, sometimes we actually get to fish, right? Well, I mean, that is true. And it's interesting because, you know, I run into people obviously all over the country, even all over the world. And they're, oh, you work for Shimano. That's just, that's so incredible. It's just, you must get to fish all the time. And you know, it is an incredible job. And I love working in the fishing industry in a lot of capacities. And, but it is a misconception that we get to fish all the time right. because it's, it's, it's still a business. It's still a regular job. And we work really, really hard in our, in our business. And um, I think we actually fish less than a lot of people, unfortunately, but when right. we do, we've been on some great trips and I have no regrets, um, but you're around it. You're surrounded by fishing every day, which I think, you know, a lot of people would really, really like uh, to be able to do in their work. That's right. And, you know, it is a common misconception. All of you people out there that are thinking, I want to work in the fishing industry because I love to fish and I want to fish all the time. You don't get to do it that much, yeah. really. <laughs> we still have businesses to run. So That's right. So, you know, Dave, you have uh, one of the most sterling reputations in the sport of fishing. And Shimano certainly has a, the, a fine reputation as, as one of the most sterling brands and products that are made in the fishing industry. What is it that you think that, why do you think Shimano has been such a good fit for you personally and your your leadership style? Um, well, I think it's, it just has to do that. I, I've always had really high standards for myself in anything that I've done. Um, and Shimano standards are, you know, maybe even higher than I've had for myself. So it's forced me to try to even be constantly better, but that's just a fit for me. And, um, you know, I found as I've grown and been in this culture for so long, I'm really intolerant for anything than anything other than, you know, people or businesses that strive to be just the absolute best. And it it doesn't matter what you do, you look at it and figure out how it could have been better. Right, right. Yeah, that's what I that's what I lo- love about about the really good brands. Um, how important, well, I remember a lot of times I can remember having conversations with Jose when he talked about um, working with you on product development. Um, how, how much how, how important was Jose in those early years to product development and your other pros that you worked with? Uh, Jose was really unique uh, for us in that regard. And so he was really important. It, it really was only in saltwater products. Right. Freshwater, you know, segment of the market is, is far bigger than saltwater. And we were really young at the time with saltwater. So actually, Jose was, um, you know, really, really important at that time because we were so young. We didn't have a broad product offering. And Jose was, you know, he was a visionary. He was, he was an innovator. So he really pushed a lot of the early concepts for the product that actually took us quite a few years to get to. But I think that Jose was a, he was just a great push for us with that. And he knew how to work in that process. Um, You know, otherwise, honestly, there's not a lot of people that, that stand out as being really influential in our overall product development mm-hmm. process. That's more with our engineers and our internal people, but certainly Jose was intertwined in our, our product development, our marketing, uh, our branding. He was intertwined in a lot of things. Yeah. 
Yeah, he was. And, you, and, and what a great saltwater line you have now. My gosh. Um, yeah, and, but you've been pretty involved in product development yourself personally, haven't you? I have personally for a lot of years. I, I'm not so much these days. I, I'm much more into more just the running and the, and the future planning for the business. I, and I miss it because it was my mm-hmm. favorite aspect. But at some point, you know, you have to turn that over to the next generation so that they learn and they grow. And, and honestly, that's really controlled by our um, R&D team in Japan with our team's input. But we're really fortunate right now. We have a, a, a good team, a good mix of people with very level of experience from you know, entry level all the way up to some experience. And they're digging into that now and they're having all the same great experiences that I was able to have with it. And it was the hardest thing to turn over. It was the hardest oh, thing. I to bet. Yeah, <laughs> but when you started, you said you had a sales job before. Did you start in sales at Shimano? I started so in how, sales management, yeah. And then yeah. how did that evolve into product development and then the, the president role that you're in now? Well, we were, I mean, we were really small back when I started. We were not a big company. And so I just ended up, I, I guess because I showed interest, right time, right place, I ended right. up wearing a lot of hats at the same time. I was in charge of sales, marketing, product development, service, kind of all those things ended up on my plate. But again, at the time it was, you know, it was something that, I could handle because we were not anywhere near as large as and diverse as we are today. So, um, so once you get on that track, I just kind of kept moving up and moving up and moving up and, you know, ended up in the president role of the whole company. So I was in charge of fish and bike, which I did for several years. And then I moved back over just to fishing uh, as Mr. Shimano wanted to have a greater emphasis on growing the fishing business uh, in North America. And then you guys moved from California to South Carolina a couple of years ago, and you were pretty influential in that move too, weren't you? Yeah, actually, that was the plan that that I made and I proposed to Mr. Shimano because as great and innovative as the California market is, it's it's a long way from the rest of the country. And 80% of the fishing business is done on the East Coast. And we just needed to be closer to all of that. Um, I would rather that our team was traveling to the 20% of the market than traveling from the 20% to the 80%. So, and now we're living in and immersed in, uh, you know, the entire East Coast market. And I think that that's been really good for our business over the last few years again. What a great sacrifice that was for you to make, because I know living in Southern California had to be part of your heart and then to move because it was the right thing to do for the company. I think it's, uh, you know, but it was definitely the right thing to do. It was the right thing to do. And, you know, it, it was and it wasn't a, a, a challenging move. I love South, Southern California. I still have, you know, friends that are like family to me there. Um, but, you know, it just Southern California is a crowded, fast paced living and um, moving to South Carolina. South Carolina is wonderful, wonderful people, a little slower pace of life, still great, diverse fishing. So it's it's actually been a pretty, pretty easy move. That's great. I love hearing that. I love hearing that, as, especially as a Southerner. I like it when people come here and like it and don't and don't make fun yeah. of it. Um, well, everyone I know that's visited here from Southern California loves it. So, oh, that's great. That, I love hearing that too. So, Shimano, like we've been saying, I've said over and over again, Shimano is one of the strongest brands in fishing. What is, in a nutshell, if you can describe it, what is the brand ethos for Shimano? Um, you know, <laughs> our mission statement is to promote health and happiness through the enjoyment of nature and the world around us. And I think that that is just such a great statement because, our, you know, our ethos is to make sure that our products contribute to that, you know, is, and contribute to your enjoyment of nature, to contribute to enjoyment of the experience of fishing or cycling. And, and when your products do that, people just relate to you as a company. So 
Uh, I mean, I think that's overall at a high level. And then, you know, that carries down to the fact that we take that responsibility very seriously. So that is kind of back to what I was saying before is that, you know, we just don't ever stop trying to make things better and more enjoyable for the user. And that just drives all of our R&D and our manufacturing, the investment in our factories and everything. And, and I think that just makes Shimano a very unique uh, uh, company. Awesome. Well, I'm going to stop right here and take a quick break. Before I go to break, though, I want to say to all of you listening at home, here's some key takeaways from what I just heard Dave say. One is don't be afraid to take a job that's not maybe the job you think you're going to end up with, and especially if it's at a small company, because you can always move. And it's so awesome to work at a small company and get to try your hand at a lot of different things. So I think that's really important. Also, don't be afraid to do what's right for your brand or your partners, such as moving across the country like Dave's suggested and ended up being the right thing to do. And then also, I guess the, the overriding thing would be, you know, don't give up on, don't ever give up on trying to be the best and trying to be better than you were last time. So, all right, we'll be right back with Dave Pfeiffer from Shimano. Do you know what your personal brand is? Because everyone has a personal brand. You may not be intentional about it yet, but all that you say or do or write or post contributes to how others perceive you. And that, my friends, is your personal brand. If you want to develop your brand and mean the things you want it to mean, I have a workbook that will help you get started and it's free. You can download my Developing Your Personal Brand Workbook at www.fishingbusinessschool.com slash brand workbook. All right, we're back on the Fishing Business Podcast with Dave Pfeiffer, the president of Shimano, Fi Shimano Fishing North America, right? Or is it Shimano, Shimano North America Shimano Fishing? North America Fishing, yeah. Shimano North America Fishing. And, you know, I don't know if I'm saying this right, Dave, but it seems like Shimano has always had like a product forward marketing fo focus. Like you've really, the star is, is the product, right? How, how did that develop? Uh, that is 100% correct. You know, we, we have a, a saying in our company, you know, that we're here to serve the product and that's, that's it. And we are product forward in everything we do. There are marketing companies, there are sales companies. We are absolutely, uh, you know, a product manufacturing company. And um, that's, that's what we do. That's in Shimano's, you know, DNA from, although it's, this is, uh, this is our hundredth year anniversary and it's been that way since the founding of the company. Could anybody do that though? Or do you have to have, do you have to be the best in class to be product forward in your marketing or, or could any brand do that? I guess that just depends on your position and the authenticity that you want. Uh, we can be product forward and feel like we're really authentic in that, that the mm -hmm. product, you know, really um, uh, supports that stands behind that. Uh, I've seen companies push product forward marketing when they didn't have the product to stand up to that. It's a big responsibility. I mean, if right. you're going to make product, the star, the lead, that product's got to be good and you've got to be innovative and you can't be afraid to change and challenge greatness. And Shimano is never afraid. Never. Yeah. Right. No. And, and, and with good reason, how do personalities and pro fishermen and influence factor into Shimano's marketing then if, you know, if it is indeed product forward? That's, you know, that's what I want to answer delicately because I have, you know, tremendous respect for all of the, the pros and, and, you know, the people that promote fish and promote uh, our products and everybody else's products, um, you know, but that, that said, they're, they're important to us, but they're not the the lead. They're right. not, you know what I mean? So, yeah. and, and I, as I said, I want to really be careful because I don't want this to come across that I'm disparaging anybody. It's just um, that none of us are bigger 
than the product itself. And so we never place anyone, employees or pro staff or anybody, you know, above or ahead of the product. And um, that works for some companies, but it 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 doesn't it doesn't work for us. Right. You know what else I've noticed about just in my dealings with Shimano over the years is it really does seem like it's a it, you know the the product is is as important as the consumer. You guys are so engaged, and it feels like you know your consumer so well and interact with your consumer so well. Um. You know, I, I'm glad it comes across that way. I think we often feel like, you know, we're still, you can never do enough for the consumer and you can never connect with them enough. And so, you know, that's, those are things that we're always looking to, uh, to improve because the consumer voice, uh, the consumer confidence in your brand is, I mean, there just is nothing more important. None of us exist without, without that. So yeah. in the product forward, you want to make sure that your product never disappoints the customer. Right. Right. Yeah. Got that. So keeping in mind there that uh, many of the people listening to this are high school and college anglers. And and we've been talking about what an excellent brand uh, Shimano is. What would you say to those young people out there about why it's so important to commit to excellence and really keep doing as much as you can and be as disciplined as you can to commit to ex- to excellence? Uh, I think from a, from a fishing industry perspective, I, I tell people a lot that there are not a lot, we're a small industry and there are not a lot of good jobs in the fishing industry um, just because of the size of the industry. So therefore, if you want to break into the industry, you, you know, you've just, you've got to be the best. You have to be. And that's with any company in this, in this industry, because so many people want to work in this industry. So if you're not figuring out ways to set yourself apart from all those people, um, through greatness, then you're probably not going to get that crack at working in the fishing industry like you may want to. And that's at any level. I mean, yep. you can say that about whether it's you're a tournament professional or whether you're a marketing professional or whether you work for a company like I do is that I know there are on any given day, there's a hundred people that would like to take my job. Yeah, <laughs> so, that's right. you know, so, or at least they think they do. <laughs> so, yeah. um, you know, that's, I think you just have to look at it that way and say, look for any chance you can get to get in this industry, which is something that I did. And then once you get it, don't let it go. Yeah. Yeah. Don't Don't be afraid to pay your dues. And and I'll tell you, you, you can make more money working in a whole bunch of other industries. Yeah. You know, that's eventually you'll make the money you want to make in fishing, but you know, a lot of other industries will pay you more. A lot of other industries are just going to be different, but you're not working in the fishing industry. So well, the fishing industry, speaking of that, did have a, a, a most brands had a banner year last year during the pandemic, which was a little surprise to most of us. Um, but well, how, Dave, how do you feel? I talk about this a lot, but what do you think we can all do? You, me, Shimano and people listening um, to engage the newcomers that came into fishing last year to make sure they stay around? You know, that's a question we're all torturing ourselves with as an industry, because so many people came in, the industry had really been really stagnant, really, you know, same level mm-hmm. participation for years, decades almost. And suddenly we have all these new people that that jumped in in the span of eight months. Mm-hmm. And most of us have no idea who they are, yeah, right. <laughs> so much less how to engage them. You know, um, that's that's kind of the difficult issue for us is, you know, you can start sort of, you know, just firing shots out there and hoping you reach some people, but we just don't even have the data around uh, as an industry or, you know, uh, honestly speaking, as a company of who all these people were or are that jumped in in the last eight months and what it is that resonated about fishing with them and if they plan to stay. And so your question is not easy to answer right now until we get 
some more data from our industry to understand who they are and why they got into fishing and what they're looking for from fishing, it's going to be hard to do that. There's, there's a huge missing educational piece in fishing right. about where to go, how to do it. And, you know, there are some resources out there. RBFF tries to connect on that and some other things, but none of us as brands, we're so busy competing with each other because we've been in a stagnant industry for so long. All of us are maybe tentative to start diverting money to reaching out and saying, right. Hey, who are, who are you? <laughs> Where'd yeah. you come from? What, what do you want to know? And right. so none of us are very good at it either because, you know, most of us all have people that are uh, in high enthusiast level and very passionate about fishing working uh, for their companies. So I, I didn't give you a great answer because I don't have one right now. Well, but, but I appreciate that. And I, and I kind of get on a soapbox about this because I'm, I'm very passionate about reaching newcomers and reaching the beginner because I, I feel like so many times what we all do it, as brands and as individuals is sometimes we speak over the heads of the people that really need to, to learn from us. And again, I'm saying that as an individual too. You know, when, oh, I, had, yeah. when I had pe- people call me during the pandemic to ask me, I mean, and that's what I got was how can I go out with my kids and get out of the house and how can I you know, help them catch a fish. And it's, you know, it's very tempting to start talking them over their heads, right? Where, where really what you, you know, what I normally would need to say was, you know, go buy some live bait, you know, if you really want your kids to, to get into it. But, um, (laughs) but when I see, you know, a lot of times when I see what all of us do, especially in social media, it's almost like we, we're trying to, as individuals, again, not as a brand, but as individuals, we try to impress each other so much about what we know that we talk over the heads of, of, of people that don't know. Yeah, that's absolutely true. All right. Hey, okay. I'm, I, we're going to wrap things up here in just a minute, Dave, but I can't go without asking you to talk because I've heard you talk about this before and you're so passionate and so smart about it. And it's such an important issue. I wanted you to talk a little bit about Shimano's commitment to advocacy and specifically fishing access issues. Cause I'm not sure the, the normal everyday walking around angler understands the critical importance of that. It's uh, I, you know, every year it grows in urgency and importance. And, you know, our basic position is that everything, um, advocacy related, all all fisheries policy and decisions should be science-based, not symbolic. Um, And two, that the U.S. has proven time and again that our user pay model is the most successful conservation model in the world. Uh, No other country, no other entity has as strong a user pay model as we do. And our main concern, uh, our access to uh, healthy fisheries, you know, clean water, those things. And again, the key word is access. That means, you know, without sound science, we should not be restricting access to people to go fishing. Right. If there's science, the industry is the first one to step up and say, hey, we need to close this. We need to limit this. We need to do something about this. But there's the science to back it up. And then therefore, we know what to do to recover it. And we know when to open up that access again. When we get into symbolic closures, they're often in perpetuity. They go on forever. And, and how can that be, right? And it's wow. not based on science. And that's really dangerous, especially it gets back to your earlier question about keeping all these new participants in the sport. They have to have easy access to fishing. If we wow. keep closing things off and concentrating people into smaller areas, that's not going to be good for the future of our sport. So we believe in the inherent right that people should have the access to healthy fisheries. And so all of the groups that I participate in personally and sit on their board of directors are all about um, access and good 
uh, fisheries policy that's based on science. So without wading into the weeds too deeply that might, you know, put you in a weird spot, what, you know, what would be, what, how does that happen when it's, when it's not based on science? Is it politics? It's politics and money. Yeah. It's simple, right? Yeah. He who has the bigger, you know, bank account and can influence more of the politics around those, those, uh, those closures are, is the one that's going to win unless right. we mobilize all of our anglers to say, you know, we're not going to go for that. Right. Right. And that's what we really need to do because that's the voices that need to be heard at a, at a, at a state level or even a you know regional level to, to make sure that they understand that, that we're not going to put up with it. Yeah, exactly. So, right. and I hope that we can recruit um, a lot of these new anglers to the different advocacy groups. There's so many worthwhile angler groups out there uh, for them to be a part of like CCA and, and those type organizations. And um, that's really important for the future of, uh, of fishing. I'm writing that down. I'll do a little, um, I'll put a link here in the show notes to the Cons- the Coastal Conservation Association. That's what you, what you mean by CCA. Yes. And then is there, are there any others that you would say, let's, you know, you should take a look at? From, um, you know, from a national angler group, CCA is the strongest. There are a lot of worthwhile uh, regional angler groups mm-hmm. um, that I think people can look up in their own states. And I, I hesitate to start making a list because I know yeah. I'll leave some. Uh, not purposely, yeah, that's but right. uh, there's a lot of good groups uh, all around the country. But as a, as a national angler group that's really strong and believes in the uh, the points I made earlier, you know, CCA is is certainly front of mind. Yeah, and it seems like those closures happen in saltwater, and we don't think they're going to happen in. We don't, you know, we can't imagine that. Ha- but it it will move it, if we continue to let it happen. It will move over into into more of the freshwater. Yeah, there's no question that you know saltwater has been. Um, uh, the, the main focus over the last several years, but with the current, you know, the administration signed the executive order on 30 by 30, which the goal is to preserve 30% of the nation's lands and waters by 2030. That opens up the potential for lakes, rivers, streams, ponds, everything to be under that 30% number. And, um, you know, again, to have that done or to, to accomplish that by 2030, which is not that far away, we really risk a rushed process that gets back to what I said, which is symbolism, not science, because science takes time and science takes money. And all of those should be evaluated before any restriction to access happens. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Hey, Dave, thank you so much for spending the time today. I know you've got uh, way better ways to spend your time than with us, but I sure do appreciate you doing it, man. Not at all. It's my pleasure. And I really enjoyed it. It was good to see you. And uh, I hope this helps uh, some of the young anglers out there maybe get pointed in the right direction to find a future in the fishing industry because it's a very fun and rewarding uh, career. All right. Special thanks to Dave Pfeiffer for taking out the time to do this with us today. Like I said earlier, key takeaways there. Start anywhere if you want a job in the outdoors. Start anywhere. And if you want a sponsorship or a partnership with a big brand, start anywhere because you can always grow once you learn the ropes and get to know everybody and let everybody get to know you. And also don't be afraid to commit to excellence. That is what has driven Shimano forward to be the huge powerhouse brand that it is today. And uh, I don't think anybody there would ever, ever regret their commitment to excellence. Thanks a lot, y'all. I'm going to sign off the Fishing Business Podcast right now in the words of my favorite fisherman who always signed off his TV show, The Fishing Hole, by saying, this is dedicated to dad. 
He always had time to take me fishing. See you next time, y'all.